It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, where that journey begins. Good evening, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on Mix L. Are. And it's me, Chucky G. Hello, world. Hello, listeners. Miss Karen Frazier usually is here with me, but unfortunately, she is under the weather versus over the weather, I guess. I don't know how they say under the weather, but she's under the weather. She's not feeling good, so she has the night off. I wish her well. She'll feel much better. So you're just going to have to listen to Chatty Kathy me. That's all I can tell you. Uh, of course, I have my producer, you know, Cheryl Knight Wilson with me, too. So hi, Cheryl. How's it going? <laughs> Hi Chuck, good. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> so I know, I know, you know, it, we we shouldn't mention too much about it, but you know, next week will be my last live one with you guys. Yes, next week is our last live show, at least for now. We are going to a strictly mm-hmm. podcast only mm-hmm. show, which means yeah. we you can still catch us on Podbean and iTunes. I'm hoping that Karen and Chuck will sit in and co-host every now and then when they're not too busy with their new fun projects. That's my hope. <laughs> yeah, and it was <laughs> correspondence and some chatty yeah. cat stuff and whatever, you know. Yeah, we'll still be we will still be around. They can't get rid of me that easy. All right. Woohoo. Woohoo. <laughs> so anyways, what's what's new in the the life of Cheryl and Chad? Anything cool, exciting? Uh, I don't want to say bad. So anything good and exciting. <laughs> yeah. No, nothing bad. Don't we don't want to talk about bad, bad stuff. Let's talk about no. good not a good thing no i'm just kidding um no we just actually we've been working a lot and we are going to hopefully going to see a couple movies that i'm excited about i want to see the resident evil new movie oh yes yes Mm -hmm. because i'm a fan of the series and so i believe i've talked chat into going so yay yeah, yeah, and then the second movie that i'm contemplating but have not talked chat into seeing yet is rings oh yes Oh, I have to yeah. go see it. It's got the guy from Big Bang Theory. Oh, it does? Which guy? Leonard. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, it was Leonard. John. What's his oh. name? I can't remember his real uh, name. I'm so terrible with that. But yes, it's the guy who's John Roseanne. About, and he, like, yes. Yeah, yeah he's in there. About. He's Yeah, he stars in it. I did not know that. Okay, they don't there's show the, him in the promos on the TV. They yeah, just there, show there's, the there's one. Well, there's one clip where you see it. And I'm like, oh. I'm pretty, I'm almost positive that's him. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive that's him. You know what? I so, could look it up. All right, you look it up and check it out. I could look it up right now when you're talking. Look at that. Bob's already jumping. The, vol- the, the body's not even cold yet, and Bob's already jumping on it. What'd he say? What did he, Bob say? I'm here to sit in if needed. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Oh, thank you, Bob. Yes, of That's course. So sweet. Thanks, Bob, for jumping Please. on my dead carcass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Bob. I love you. Oh, so, Johnny anyways. Galecki. You are right. Yep, that's him. See? That's him. Yes, Bam. That is him. Oh, it's going to be good. I got to go for sure now. Yeah. I still want to see that triple, uh, was it, is it, um, Triple X? Yeah, the, tri- the new, Triple X. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen the new movie on that, too. That looks wickedly awesome. Action-packed, folks. Woo! Woo-hoo! <laughs> so, um, I guess we can... I mean, do I have anything going on? Because I know I asked you. Oh, yes, I do have... I have meditation next week at a wonderful shop in Hinkley, Illinois, if you live out here, called Consciously Rooted. They do lots of cool things out there. I usually just go out there and sit when I want to chill when I'm having my day off and I can do my readings and do whatever. They asked me to come and do the... uh, the spirit journey, which is a guided meditation that I take people from basically connecting 
your insides, and I don't mean your oh, guts, nice. or you know your inner mm-hmm. your inner voice, your soul, and then we take you out of body, and then we move forward into a different plane of existence, and we connect with the universe and spirits from above, and then we go back, and then you go back in, and it's all it's a beautiful thing. It's it sounds beautiful. Yeah, so I'm gonna do that, you know. So other than that, you know, just you know, working on stuff right now. Good stuff. So, I have some stuff uh, that I'd like to share as far as you know the news. Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder, it's time for our news of the strange. Here we go. I have some pretty interesting little ditties this evening. Um, I'm going to start out with this one because the title itself just, I read it and I went, what? And there was a picture of two kids sleeping. Solar boys become paralyzed after sunset. Yeah, I know. I see Cheryl's voice face already. Okay. This was of November of last year. So, but it's interesting. So, two boys in Pakistan literally power down after the sun sets and can only move during the day. 13 year year old Shanab Ahmed and nine year old Abdul Rashid suffer from an affliction so peculiar that there are no other cases of this condition anywhere in the world. That is correct. Anywhere in the world. During the day, the boys are perfectly healthy, can run around, play outside, do all other things that their children their age do. When the sun goes down, however, both of them become completely paralyzed and are totally unable to move or speak again until the first rays of sunshine stream in the next morning. The pair have been under observation by doctors at the hospital in Ismabad, where efforts have been underway to determine exactly what is the cause for those unique symptoms. One theory that the sunlight itself is keeping them going has been ruled out as it was found that the boys are able to function just fine in pitch black rooms in the middle of the day. We took this case as a challenge. Our doctors are doing medical tests to determine why these kids remain active in the day but cannot open their eyes, why they cannot talk or eat when the sun goes down. So what do you what do you what do you think about that one? I I don't know what to make of it. That is really weird. Well, and it's weird too because I I read it but then they're saying but in the pitch black room mm-hmm. um they can still function well how do they i mean what does it mean by function because you say that when the sun goes down they're paralyzed right exactly yeah it's hard to tell that story but they do show the kids like sleeping you know and it was like it's like you know the light is down and they're all sleeping so um but that's interesting that they're the only ones that have this condition it kind of reminded me of you know like well kind of like superman you know where he can't doesn't have his powers if he doesn't have the sun the yellow sun or whatever but yeah Yeah. it's kind of interesting all right so we all know who Amelia Earhart is, right? We do. Okay, so this one is, has Amelia Earhart's skeleton been found? This also was from last November. These are just ones I've I picked up recently. Um, okay, the bones of a castaway found on the Pacific Island in the 1940s could be those of the famed aviator. When Amelia Earhart disappeared over the Pacific Ocean during an attempt to circumvent the globe, circumvent, circumvent, Okay, I can't speak anymore. The Globe, in her Lockheed Model 10 Electra in 1937, the question of what happened to her would go on to become one of the most enduring mysteries of the modern age. In recent years, however, clues have been found suggesting that Earhart's plane may have gone down somewhere in the remote Pacific atoll of Nicomororo. One such a clue, a particular skeleton discovered on an island in the region back in 1940s, is perhaps the strongest evidence yet that the aviator survived for several weeks as a castaway. 
The badly damaged bones were found alongside animal remains and a campfire. A woman's shoe was also found there. There was a box that could have contained a nautical navigational navigational device known as a sextant. Something Earhouse navigator Fred Noonan would have been carrying. While researchers have been unable to track down the actual bones themselves, measurements taken by a British doctor at the time seem to confirm that they match up with Earhart's build. The find was detailed in a document entitled Discovery of Human Remains on Gardner Island, which was found in the National Archives in World War II by a World War II historian, Peter McQuarrie. The match does not, of course, prove that the castaway was Amelia Earhart, but it is a significant new data that points that tips the scale further in that direction. So they it, it's like I read it and they, they found the bones mm-hmm. and they got the measurements, but why don't they like why don't they keep the bones or why didn't they, you know what I mean? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I've seen a few specials. I don't know if I've seen those latest one that you're talking about, where they say they find they found bones but they're not allowed to take them for testing. Yes. Because whoever's in control there on the island will oh, allow yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, it's like so, when they take... Okay, yeah. Yeah. That makes, okay. It's like when they take Bigfoot mm-hmm. castings, and then you're like, oh, you got to keep the original casting here, but you can take a copy of it or whatever. Exactly. You know? Yeah, something like that. Okay. All right. Um, got another one. 85-year-old marathon runner baffles experts. That's right, folks. So, you know, when you say, oh, I can't do it. I'm too <laughs> old to work out. All right, we'll just listen to this story. This has happened January of this year, okay? Ed Whitlock recently broke the world record by completing a marathon in just under four hours, and he's 85 years old. Seriously? Seriously? Okay. If you're ever planning to start a new fitness regimen this year but are worried about that you won't be able to manage it, spare a thought of 85-year-old Ed Whitlock, a man who would not only manages to keep fit but is even able to run entire marathons faster than people a fraction of his age. The octetarian, who took up competitive running in the 1940s, still holds the world record for running a marathon in under three hours at the age of 75. Wow. And now holds a similar record for completing the same distance in under four hours at age 85. What, it's, it's like what makes his incredible feat all the more remarkable is the fact that he hasn't done anything particularly noteworthy to achieve any of this. His diet and his exercise regimen have pre- are pretty standard. According to Dr. Michael Joyner, a performance and aging researcher at the Mayo Clinic, it appears that Whitlock's incredible athletic feats are down to what he calls minimal aging. By testing the 85-year-old's VO2 max reading, which determines how much oxygen an athlete can use, Dr. Joyner found that Whitlock has lungs equivalent in fitness to those of a teenager. The man himself, however, simply attributes his success to a willingness to try. The next time you say, I can't run, just think of Ed, that's just, I don't even know what to say to that one. I saw, I, I saw the guy. I was like, holy cow. It kind of makes me feel like, yeah, like I have no reason to complain about anything ever again. <laughs> I know. It's like I read, I'm like, oh, man, here I come home from the health club. I'm like, oh, I'm so sore. <laughs> yeah, shut up. Look at Ed. <laughs> Fine. What I read. Thanks for, thanks for changing that learning curve for the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I have I have one left. Okay, All right, and this one is kind of it's just it should be funny because people died, but it's just weird. All right, and this is it fits into this category of this news. Mystery surrounds the 1919 wave of molasses. That is correct, folks. Almost a century ago, 21 people were killed in Boston by a deadly and destructive tidal wave of syrup. 
It had been a cold January day in Massachusetts capital when a massive tidal wave, not of water, but of molasses, burst from a holding tank in the city's north end. Two million gallons of the sweet substance rushed across the waterfront, forming a wave up to 40 feet high that destroyed buildings, overturned vehicles, killed 21 people, and left 150 others injured. While the event itself is indisputable, exactly what combination of conditions led to such a deadly wave of syrup has puzzled experts for the better part of 100 years. Now, though, a team of scientists and studies, uh, students at Harvard may have finally found the answer to the mystery, and it's all got to do with the temperature of the molasses relative to that of the outside air. While the molasses initially arrived at Boston Harbor, it had been heated up um, so it made it less vici- viscous and thus easier to transfer to a storage tank. When the tank burst a few days later, the molasses were still significantly warmer than the winter air outside. So while it flowed very rapidly across the waterfront to begin with, it quickly thickened, trapping war and worry bystanders who found themselves unable to escape. If the accident had occurred in the warmer weather, the flow would have stayed thinner for longer. It's a ridiculous thing to imagine a tsunami of molasses drowning the north end of Boston, said Professor. But then you look at the pictures. There you go. That's and, the news. And did you look at the pictures? Was it horrible? I, uh, yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, the, the black and white of people, you know. Uh, and it's, it's sort of like, it reminded me of the tar pits. Oh, my God. With like okay. the, yeah, with syrup. Yuck. And I, and I shouldn't laugh because people got hurt and died and everything, but it just seems kind of crazy. You That's know a mean? lot of syrup. So how did your dad die? Well, you know, he got killed by a wave of 40-foot high tsunami of syrup. Oh, my God. Yeah. So anyways, but, you know. I, you know, I wish the souls the best, you know, Yes. but, um, yeah. So, um, and that's the news. That's just some of the crazy stuff I find in the news these days. It, it seems to be getting like weirder and weirder when I look for things. Yeah. I don't know. It you know I mean? does. I agree. I mean, the, only, the, the one that I still remember from, from when I did my show and it was you was the lettuce was the, yeah, that that's takes the cake. That's walking lettuce around. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't they walk the lettuce a, around like on, on yeah. leashes? And yeah, stuff they had like that? dog leashes, you know, because they had to keep the lettuce with them because it was cabbage because cabbage. they had to keep the cabbages with them because they were taking their negativity and putting it into the cabbage. Oh my God. And then that really? way they could be free of their negativity and they could be positive and happy. Hey, maybe I need to try that. If it works, it works. And then I remember, and then I told you, I said, well, Cheryl, just so then I said to you, I said, well, then if they cooked the cabbage, if someone ate it with the yeah. negativity going, the person you said, only you, Chuck, could yeah. ask such a question. Right, because the cabbage has been in dirt, on the <laughs> ground. I don't think you would be cooking the cabbage, but you never know. Oh, uh, but the visual of them with the, on the dog leashes, that just took it right there. Like <laughs> collars around the cabbages, really, seriously. Why don't you just carry it in a bag? Why would you? Yeah, why does it have to be on a leash while you're walking it around? Like, you're dragging it around. It's not like it didn't have wheels I guess it doesn't underneath. walk, does it? <laughs> no. Cabbage doesn't, doesn't actually have walk. Cabbage legs. Little cabbage legs. <laughs> you know, they put like a little cart so it would like wheel. You know, yeah. no, they're just dragging it. So it's like I'm sure eventually oh. by rolling, you know, the leaves are falling off. The other ones, this little ball at the end. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that was definitely the weirdest one. I I'll never forget that news story because I thought, oh, this is a joke. It's an onion thing, and then it wasn't an onion thing. So, anyways, <laughs> but hey, tonight we have John David Miller, author of. The Seabold Effect, we're going to see if we're saying that correctly. Yes. Beyond Science, History, Ghosts, and the Appalachian Supernatural. Yeah, it's it sounds like a really interesting book. We ran an excerpt of it in the magazine in the, our January issue. Go to paranormalunderground.net um, well, it's to check it out. 
it's interesting, like some of the stuff, like where he wound up getting connected to this, and then it was mm-hmm. really connected to him. Yeah. I just don't want to know that. That I'm going to say it again. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but the Seabold effect. What is that? And then right. you know, we need to we have to go through the science, the history, of the ghosts, and you know, like what is it all about? You know, because I'm reading it, I'm, I'm kind of understanding it, and I'm kind of not. So mm-hmm. I guess we'll that's find out. Show. We're about to find out. That's, that's why we have him on the show. That's right. There you go. So I suppose we could go. To, can we go to break? I, yes, I, we can I mean, go to break. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to go to break, then we're going to come back, and we're going to have a guest, and we're going to chat, 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 and have some fun, okay? So you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on MixLR. I'm Chucky G. We shall be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer-lasting Energy Star light bulbs. They're more efficient than the old bulbs, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Nicole Strickland here, California Coordinator for the Oregon Ghost Conference. Here to tell you about the sixth annual event, which will take place in 2017 on March 31st through April 2nd at the Seaside Civic and Convention Center in beautiful Seaside, Oregon. The Oregon Ghost Conference is the Northwest's largest paranormal convention and attracts visitors from all across the West Coast and beyond. It will have a jam-packed weekend filled with speakers, courses, tours, parties, and so much more. So join us for a week in the ghosts at the coast to connect with and learn from some of the top paranormal experts in our area. Do not miss this great event. For more information about this fabulous event, please visit its website at OregonGhostConference.com. The Oregon Ghost Conference is also available on Facebook and Twitter as well. Happy hauntings! Join me at the Big Seance Podcast. I'm Patrick Keller of BigSeance.com, and this is a place for an open discussion on all things paranormal, but specifically topics like ghosts and hauntings, paranormal research, spirit communication, psychics and mediums, and life after death. The candles are already lit, so you might as well come on in and join the Big Seance Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. 
But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. That's author Karen K-A-R-E-N, Fraser, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. Hey everyone, this is Winter Balefire, contributor for Paranormal Underground Magazine, correspondent for Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, and now I'm very happy to announce a published author. My first poetry book, Love Letters Destroyed, is now available on Amazon.com, Lulu.com, Barnes & Noble, and other booksellers. Ebooks are also available. You can also check out pseudosynthpress.com for information on signed copies. Again, that's Love Letters Destroyed by Winter Balefire. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy. So, you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with me, your host, Chucky G. You're listening to MixLR. We are now in the point of the show where we bring on our guest, Mr. David Miller, author of The Cybold Effect, Beyond Science, History, Ghosts, and the Appalachian Supernatural. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Glad, <laughs> glad to be here. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you because otherwise I'd be talking to myself for an hour and it'd be really good. <laughs> that would be no fun. Yeah, it'd be no fun. So um, let's see. How do we want to start this off? You know, uh, yeah. okay, here's what we're going to do. Uh, why don't you give our listeners a little background on who you are, like in general, you know, life, you know, where you kind of where you grew up and that kind of stuff. And then we're going to move into all the other cool stuff. How do we do that? Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, uh, of course, I'm David Miller. I live in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, actually, I was born in Richmond, Virginia, uh, and I, um, I, I, I guess I, uh, I have a pretty uneventful life. I, I've done a lot of travel um, uh, all over the world. Uh, I got into scuba diving a long time ago, and in fact, uh, when when I talk about the book. Um, I was actually in Papua New Guinea on a dive trip um, when I purchased a piece of property, uh, uh, sight unseen, and didn't know anything about it. And uh, that's basically <laughs> uh, the story of my life. <laughs> well, that was uh, quick, all in a nutshell, like that. So, I mean, so you've been yeah. a writer. You've been a writer most of your life. Is that what you're? Uh, uh, actually, not not a writer at all. I was. Um, I had. Uh, I was um, basically. Uh, probably the only wax salesman you probably have ever met or talked to. What's that? Wax salesman? Yeah, wax salesman, really? yes. Okay. No, <laughs> um, uh, I, was, uh, I sold wax uh, for 25 years, um, and actually I quit that career to write this book because the story is so much more important than my career was, apparently. Uh, but... Uh, People probably have never met a wax salesman, no, and I've I, <laughs> uh, and I basically uh, started out um, as a wax salesman, and I opened up Kroger 
uh, grocery store chain nationwide. And I I started with one store and uh, sold them wax and that and then built that up to a national contract uh, uh, all over the country. And of course, I guess in California, you have uh, Kroger store, the Ralph's and Fry's and and store. They're they're owned by Kroger and Kroger is the largest grocery store chain in the country. Wow. Well, that's something to be proud of, man. That's pretty cool. No, I never, I mean, like, all right, I, I know this is a paranormal show, but I have to ask, I mean, like okay. wax for what? I mean, under, wax, for uh, what? wax for their wax that they put on their floors at night. Oh, okay. All right. I got you. Okay. <laughs> and they bring out these great big buffers, uh, yes. propane buffers, yes. and they buff it yes. all and shine it up. And uh, they do that every night. And uh, I developed a program that saved them basically millions of dollars in labor cost. And, um, and I competed with people like Johnson Wax and yeah. Procter and Gamble and stuff like that. I worked for a little tiny small company, but I had a better program. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. So, Good for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like I say, you probably never talked to a wax salesman ever. Uh, no, you're my first wax salesman. <laughs> Definitely the first wax salesman. I can go home tomorrow. I go tomorrow to work and go, you know what I did on the show? I talked to this guy and he sold wax. <laughs> They're going to be like the same thing. I was thinking like, you know, wax for like sealing jars up with food. I was, I was totally confused there for a little bit. So. Exactly. Or wax your car or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's outside the store selling wax, you know, on the side of his car, you know. Hey, you want to wax? I'll wax your car for you. Exactly, exactly. So, all right. So, um, before we get into all the 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 story, which is a very cool story, um, I, I tried I tried to look up the Seibold effect. Is what is that? Like, what in essence is that mean? Because I'm okay. Uh, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> uh, nice. In fact, it's probably a word that nobody's ever seen before. Uh, and that basically goes to the beginning of the story. Um, I was in Papua New Guinea on a, on a dive trip. Of course, selling wax for all those years afforded me some time to travel. That's good. <laughs> uh, so I, I was in Papua New Guinea on a dive trip uh, in the Coral Sea. And uh, my girlfriend at the time was getting ready to go to vet school, uh, veterinary school at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia. Okay. And we had a realtor looking for a house, you know, a house for her to live in. Right. And and it just so happened a house came available. We had a realtor looking, and it came available while I was on a boat floating in the Coral Sea in Papua New Guinea. And by satellite phone, uh, found out that there that there was three offers on this house that day. And of course, sight unseen, I didn't know anything about it. But but if if there were three offers on the property, then obviously it was it was a good piece of property. So yeah. I, I I I offered a thousand dollars over the asking price for the house, and then hung up and and I would call back from when I got to Sydney, Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, I was leaving the next day. Mm-hmm. Well, when I got to Sydney, Australia, and made the call home, I found out that I had gotten that piece of property. So I now owned a piece of property somewhere in the mountain, Appalachian Mountains of Virginia that I oh. knew nothing about, <laughs> had no idea where it was, anything about it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I now own this property. And when I got back to uh, Virginia and uh, closed on the, on the property, I was looking at the plat of the property and I ha- uh, had an insurance question. Uh, the insurance question was, uh, that they had a problem in, with insuring it because it, they said it set in, in the 100-year floodplain. Okay. And I thought, that, well, that's kind of strange since my house sits up on top of a hill, uh, top of a hill on the side of a mountain. Yeah. Um, 
So I pulled out the plan of the property and was looking it over and saw what the problem was. The problem was that the mailbox down at the, at the bottom of the driveway was set down by sinking creek, a creek. So that's where the floodplain was. But that's not what uh, made me go find a chair. <laughs> it was the name on the bottom corner of the plat was Seibold, S-I-B-O-L-D. Okay. And that's, that's my mother's maiden name. Um, and it's a very odd name. <laughs> so obviously at that point, I knew something was up. You know, I, yeah. it, it, yeah. it didn't, yeah. it no longer felt like this was a random piece of property. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you see something like that with the, with the, the unusual name behind you're like, I mean, it had to be like kind of mind blowing at, in that moment, you know, where you're just kind of like, no way. Right. Exactly. It was one of those, <laughs> uh, 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 one of those moments in your life that, uh, basically your life changed at that moment. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And, uh, uh, and now I, I was from, about 30 miles from this, from this place outside of Blacksburg, Virginia, is mm-hmm. a place called Greenville, West Virginia. Okay. And that's where I spent all my summers as a kid uh, staying at my grandparents' house. Both my, my mother's family, the Seibolds, lived right across the street from the Millers in the small town of Greenville, West Virginia. So I spent all my time as a kid playing in Greenville, West Virginia, but I played in the Saltpeter Caves that surrounded Greenville, West Virginia. So okay. as a kid, when I was eight years old, we were playing war and tag and, yeah. and everything in, in, in a five-mile cave system. Um, you'd go in one entrance and come out in another entrance a mile or two away. Uh, so it was a fantastic childhood, but that's what my connection to the Seibolds and the Millers were. So. Right. And that was only about 30 miles from where this house that I had just bought was. Wow. So, so all, everything was starting to come together. And I, mm-hmm. and I knew as a kid, um, I had a, a cousin named Lucy Lee Lancaster. Okay. And she would come to all the reunions and tell stories about the, the Native Americans and the pioneers and the caves and everything. Mm-hmm. And when I did research on her, Found, she, when she, she, was, she was one of the first five women to graduate from Virginia Tech in 1925. Two, two of those five women were related to me, a Carrie Seibold and a Lucy Lee Lancaster. Lucy Lee Lancaster became the librarian at Virginia Tech for the next 52 years. And her hobbies were genealogy and travel. Okay. And her collection, her uh, the Lucy Lee Lancaster collection is now archived at at the Virginia Tech Library. So obviously that was my next visit was to go visit some those forty cubic feet or forty boxes of of her collection. Yeah, right. And uh, the the story gets us, it gets completely wilder as we go. Uh, searching out the these forty boxes, I found a box. Uh, with three genealogies in it, uh, the Price genealogy, the Harless genealogy, and the Seibold genealogy. Okay. They were three families that came over to the, to the New World from Germany in 1738 on the, on the ship, the Winter Galley. They came into Philadelphia, and then they migrated down basically what's now the 81 Corridor, which was the uh, Great Warrior's Path at that time. It was just the Indian Trail. Yeah. And they came down, and they were the first German, uh, they were the first European settlers on the New River okay. um, in, in about 1740. 
and it was called the New River German Settlement. And all three families, find, reading this genealogy, I discovered that I was the ninth generation grandson of all three families. Of all three families? Of all three families. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm st- basically freaking out at this point. <laughs> yeah, I would too. Yeah, obviously, uh, and I knew from the very beginning it wasn't it wasn't random. But now I knew it wasn't random that I came across this piece of property. It was just statistically impossible that that could happen. Yes, right. Uh, and it was John. Uh, it was John Michael Price, John Philip Harless, and John Philip Seibold. And they were fam- they were family friends at the time, but somehow they inter- intermarrying through the to- uh, through the years. Uh, I, I'm the direct grandson of each one. Yeah, and I like the fact that your name is John David Miller, and the fact that my name is John David Miller, and and, and that that's I explain that in the book too. In Germany, mm-hmm. lots of times the families would name all their sons with a, if they had five sons, they would name yeah. them all with the first name John. Oh, okay. But, uh, because that he was the patron's patron's uh, saint of the home. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, they would distinguish each one by their middle names. And that's exactly what I've always done too. I would go by Dave. <laughs> so wow, okay. here, so now it's all starting to really get strange. <laughs> yeah. Cool, strange, um, but yeah, but cool, cool, strange. strange, really, really yeah. cool, strange. Yeah, very exhilarating, very exciting. And uh, this house that I bought was a mill site picked out by John Michael Price. Okay. In se- about 1740, he picked out a spot in the mountains, and it's, it's exactly in the gap of a ma- in the mountains there. It's the only only way you can get east or west of Blacksburg to the Ohio Valley River from the New River Valley. You have to cross over this piece of piece of property. It's right in the a V-shaped gap of the mountains. Okay. And he picked out he picked this site as a mill site, and they uh, his grandson finished the mill about 1840 on the creek in front of my house. Now, the, the mill's no longer there. It burnt down in the 60s. Right. But the, da- the dam, which was built by slaves, is still there. And the creek, Sinking Creek, uh, runs right into the New River. And people don't realize the Appalachian Mountains are some of the oldest mountain, mountains in the world. Yes, yes. Um, and the New River is the second oldest river in the world other than the Nile. Really? And we, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and cool. sinking and sinking creek is sinking creek is a tributary of the new river that runs into the and the new river runs west. It's the only river in the area that runs west. All the other rivers run east. Hmm. So it's that ancient. Um, so I'm and my house was built for the mill manager about eighteen eighty that overlooked the mill and the creek and the dam. And it over, mm-hmm. and it's, the mo- it's one of the most beautiful views I've ever, I've traveled all over the world and it's the most beautiful views I've ever seen. Uh, it overlooks three mountains. Um, if you ever heard of, heard of Mountain Lake, uh, Mountain Lake is um, a, a lake, a natural lake up in the mountains that uh, Dirty Dancing, the movie, was filmed there. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and my, my, my house basically overlooks that mountain and three other mountains. It, and and it looks down the creek, which flows west into the New River. So it's it's just a, a unbelievable spot. And when you go there, you can feel the the the, the chill bumps up and down your spine, mm-hmm. uh, just looking off the front porch, which overlooks the creek. Wow. So um, 
it's a, it's, it's an amazing place. And, and it's, and, and so this house I bought is the mill manager's house built by the, uh, built on a price mill site, <laughs> which is one of my grandfather's. And I think the, the last person that owned the house before I bought it was a Seibold. So it's connected to all three families. Also that exact piece of property. Wow. So there's a lot of history and I mean, just alone, all the history and the, the connections are just mind blowing. Yeah. It's connected yeah. to George Washington. It's connected to the Draper's Meadow massacre. Um, you probably haven't heard of that, but, um, there was a book, uh, by Robert Toome, I think his name was called follow the river. And, uh, it's about the massacre and about how Mary Ingalls was kidnapped and she was taken to Ohio and she escaped and she followed the new river back to her home. But, uh, that day of the massacre, uh, James Patton, uh, Colonel James Patton was killed at the, in the during the massacre. His nephew, William Preston, uh, whose son, whose grandson became a governor of Virginia later on, escaped that day. And, and um, the, the Shawnee Indians who attacked that day, mm-hmm. uh, they killed James Patton and some other people, but they kidnapped Mary Ingalls and her two kids and, and kidnapped them and took them back to uh, Ohio. Now, they would have had to cross my property that day. So because my property is the only place you can pass through the mountains at that point. Right. And so they had to cross over that day. So, but uh, when the Draper's Battle Massacre happened, it was the day before Braddock's defeat up in Pittsburgh. And that was when General Braddock was killed by the Indians and yeah. George Washington was with him that day. Um, but he was ambushed and killed by Indians. And that was, that was the unofficial start of the French and Indian War. Wow. And, so, uh, so, yeah. So, so is, is the, the, the area that you're in, is that, cause I saw it said Clover, Clover Hollow. Is that the area where? Yes. It, it okay. was, okay. I, I, over, I, I basically, I sit on Sinking Creek ma- Mountain and I overlook okay. Clover Hollow Mountain, but okay. it's all the, uh, the uh, Clover Hollow is basically a big bowl or a hollow in the mountains right there. Okay. And, and my house sits right on the, ga- right on the creek, which flows right right through the gap of the mountains right there. So now, now if we're taking all this in, you know, we got, <laughs> it's a lot yeah, to take we, in. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, on the paranormal end of things, cause you know, uh, me, I'm an investigator and I'm also a psychic medium. So I'm just trying, okay. I'm taking in all your paranormal facts as you're telling me the history, because I'm thinking, uh, I don't know what the mountains are made out of, but we have running water. We have all sorts of things that can contribute to activity. You have uh, the massacres right. and, I, and the, you know, all the history, absolutely. I mean, and the house and the land. And I mean, it's just, it's like a plethora of stuff that can just. Right. You know, and that's exactly what I uh, talk about in my book. The book's about half, half of the book is the early history in that area, but, but it's all connected to the paranormal end of it that happens at the end of the book. Okay. Uh, and it's, uh, it has, uh, a major uh, to do with um, the um, the geology of the area because right. it's all limestone. It's, it's thank you. Uh, okay, there you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> of course, limestone. Yeah, limestone and water, running water, and yeah, you basically got a perfect battery for that kind of stuff. Exactly. Well, that that's exactly. Uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll get into that in, in, in a few minutes. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. It's a uh, it's a very um, it gets into the very, very essence of the spirit nature relationship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the water is, is olive green because of the iron deposits in the water. 
Uh, we have and, iron. Okay. Go ahead. And uh, when it rains, now this is something I, I didn't find out until I started staying on the property for a long time. Every time it rained or snowed or any type of weather event like that, mm-hmm. the creek would start to erupt like a witch's cauldron. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. It, it, it's amazing. And it's all documented in the book. I, I, the book's got over 300 photographs in it. Cause, and I, I, and I, had to, I had to self-publish this book because nobody believed my story. <laughs> As you can see, it, mm-hmm. it's very complicated and very in-depth, but uh, nobody believed me. So I, I self-published the book with 300 photographs in it to document all this. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's amazing. It would actually bubble up like a uh, 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 witch's cauldron. I mean, it, it's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. And, uh, and it, I'll talk about it in a minute, but it, sure. I, I started filming the creek when this happened. Right. I would, I would put my video camera on the porch and zoom in on the creek itself and videotape it because it was so bizarre. <laughs> uh, and I have things fly, swimming through the water that are unidentifiable. Um, and I, I put those pictures in the book, uh, okay. and they, there's it, 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 um, well, I will probably go back, <laughs> probably get ahead of myself a little bit. No, that's okay. No, uh, well, we can, <laughs> we, we can go back and forth uh, sure. I, to jump back to the house itself, the house that you, you live in. Okay. Um, how old was that house? Is that from the 1700s too, or the 1800s? Uh, no, the house probably was built. We figure about 1880 was okay. when it was. It was built as two rooms on two yeah. rooms. Okay. You know, back, you know plan construction, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, made out of uh, old white oak grown in yes. the area. Probably mm-hmm. cut. Uh, probably cut at the mill. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And, uh, late, and through the years, they added on a big wraparound porch and a tin roof and a bedroom and a bathroom and put plumbing in and electricity. So it's a really cool house now. Uh, but it's got a, a big wraparound porch with iron railings all around the, the railings. Now, the iron railings are bolted into uh, limestone concrete, and that concrete is sitting on limestone bedrock. So... One of the paranormal activities that, that I found was I got extreme EMF readings mm-hmm. a, around the porch ra- railings. Yeah. And what I uh, figured out over time that, that, that it was like, uh, like you said, it's like a man, uh, like a, uh, um, uh, accident made battery system. Yeah. Yeah. It's a natural, it's a natural battery. Cause you know, even, you know, too, that certain kinds of wood can hold, uh, energy also, you know, paranormal activity comes from, there are certain kinds of wood that actually will hold that energy also, not just the limestone. Well, that goes exactly to my first experience with Mm -hmm. the paranormal end of it. (laughs) Okay. Um, I guess we can talk about that. Um, sure. Okay. Uh, um, so, so I, I took the property back over, uh, five about five years ago i had rented it out for a number of years and i studied the history on it so i knew all the history all for about 10 years that was amazing Mm -hmm. but when i took the property back over myself and started spending time there that's when everything started happening um i the 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 stairway in in the house was covered in carpeting and uh two or three layers of paint and when i ripped that up uh, I could see, even see the grain of the wood through the paint. It was just mm-hmm. beautiful old white oak steps underneath mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So I, so what I had to do is I had to hand scrape 
each step to restore them. I, you know, scrape it down to bare woods. Yeah. Scrape it down so far that you could smell the fresh uh, essence of the wood like it was mm-hmm. cut that day. Cool. But it's, it's probably 300-year-old white oak. oak. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I got, a, I got a chapter in my book called The Seventh Step. And this was my first experience with the paranormal end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, uh, I had to scrape each step. And I started out with, st- it was 12 steps all together. So I started out with step number one. Okay. When I got to step number seven, and, step, and the number seven has a lot to do with the book, too, because it has a lot to do with numerology in this yes. book, too. Correct. And the, and, the three fa- and the number three, which is the three families yeah, and three, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh-huh. yep, okay. Very, very important in, 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 the, in, the, in the story. Uh, okay. When I looked up the mythology of the, of the number seven and stuff, it just blew, you, it blew, blew me away. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I got, when I got to step number seven, uh, I would, when I was sitting on the step, that's when the chill bumps, you, it was a, a, actually a physical uh, uh, reaction of chill bumps going up and down my spine. I mean, just, just really strong physical reaction. I could step off the step, they'd go away. Or step above the step, it'd go away. I'd step back on the step, it would come back. It would do this every time. I could repeat it as, much, as many times as I wanted to. And so that's when I started thinking about ghosts, <laughs> you know, some, something, but it, it wasn't a scary thing. It wasn't a haunt. It was, it was more of an exhilarating, exciting yeah. thing. Yeah. It was more, uh-huh. I felt, I felt it was a communication event happening. Well, yeah, you were like, you're, you know, you, you're basically, you were a trigger object too. You yourself by stepping in there and living there and having that uh, energetic connection to the past and all the uh, relatives and, you know, because, you know, exactly. people are by vibration. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're putting your vibration out connecting to past vibration. We are on the same level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I was thinking at the time. Yes. Now my girlfriend lived there for four years and she never experienced anything. Yeah. Well, that would make it's, sense. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. That would make sense. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I definitely got interested in the, in the ghost thing, watched all the ghost shows, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out how am I going to investigate this? You know, what, what's mm-hmm. going on? Is this the mill manager that lived there uh, telling me where he hid the gold? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know. You know, I, I, I had no idea what it was. So right. I went out and bought, uh, I got a cheap uh, Panasonic um, infrared video camera. Mm-hmm. And like eighty dollars, <laughs> and I got a, I, and I got a couple apps for my phone. I got an EMF uh, uh, detector for my, my iPhone, and I got a um, a recorder for my iPhone, so I could do a, a, a EVP. All right. So the first thing I did was the EVP. So I walked up, I, I walked up the steps with the EVP going, and when I passed over the seventh step, I could see the meter on the uh, the EVP go kind of crazy on the phone. I could, didn't hear anything, really, and until I went back and heard the recording, and it wasn't a it wasn't a voice at all. It was more like an electronic chirp, okay. uh, which told me that something was affecting my my recorder. On purpose, mm-hmm. it was trying to to communicate with me by interfering with the function of the cam of the EVP recorder. Mm-hmm. Correct. It wasn't you know it wasn't a voice saying something you know it was more of like electronic something was interfering with the, with the, with the recorder. Mm-hmm. So then I uh, got the EMF meter out 
and went up and down the steps. And right on the seventh step, right where I was sitting, it would spike tenfold, right at one spot. Now, there's no electrical wires around here at all. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, elect- nothing that could cause it to go off. Right. But, it, but it seemed odd that it was just exact one spot. Mm-hmm. Well, so, because, well, yeah, and, and you've looked into number seven because the number seven resonates with vibrations and energy of, of what they call the collective consciousness. Exactly. You know, awakenings, exactly. enlightenments, that kind of stuff. That's all. That's, that's just, that's amazing. And at the time I didn't really know that I knew the seven was important, but I didn't know that stuff, but that's exactly what, uh, what seven, seven were. Yeah. Yeah, And repeating sevens Mm -hmm. means that there's somebody, your, your, your ancestral spirits are trying to get in touch with you. Yeah. Your spirit guides, your, uh, yeah, your spirit guides. Cause it it has to do with, uh, cause my, me being, having psychic abilities, that's a very close connection to me and, you know, your inner wisdom, your intuition, mysticism, all that kind of stuff all has that, that connection. So you're, oh, what you're talking absolutely. about then, you're talking about the spirit guides, which are probably your your ancestors, because people always tell me, well, you know, your family can't be your spirit guides, and I disagree, because I have, my spirit guides are, are all people that I've known. I mean, there are others that come in, but, you know, sure, so sure. I'm thinking that that's probably, with all the different connections that you're having with this uh, this area, I mean, it makes total sense. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking, too. I'm thinking it's it's ancestral spirits, or actually, mm-hmm. see, I also found out that this house also sits on Cherokee sacred hunting grounds. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm also pulling in the Indian the uh, the, the yeah. Indian spirits into oh, it, sure. too. Yeah, and that's all, that's, that's, all, that's all heavily based. That's all spiritual. I mean, that's all heavily based. It, 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 yeah, exactly. And, and, and pe- people, when they start reading my book, they don't re- realize how much it gets into that at the end of the book. I mean, it's very spiritual. Very, <laughs> it has everything you just talked about. That's what, the, what this book is about yeah. at the end. So, so let's, I want to ask you a question. Let's back up just a minute, though. So hey, we're sure. talking about all this stuff here. We're talking about, so I'm going to push this all the way back to where we first started off. Before okay. this, if, before these events, before you bought the house, when you're out there scuba diving after you got done selling your wax, did you, <laughs> did you, um, what was your, at that time, did you think of the paranormal at all? Did you have any inclination of the paranormal? Did you care? Did you believe? Oh, oh you sure. Oh, sure. I thought I felt all my life, all my life, ever since I played in those caves in West Virginia, that something was connected to me. Okay, cool. All right. We can roll back forward now. I just wanted to, I wanted to, <laughs> I, want, I wanted to hit that because. Um, you know, because it could go either way. Like when you, when you were there on this particular spot at this time now, you know, you're going to write this book about all the stuff that's happening. If you didn't have that feeling, that knowing we call it a knowing, you know, cause it's an inner, sure, sure. it's your inner voice. You know, it's, if you don't sure. have that knowing, then when you would have came forward and this stuff would have happened, you just would have shrugged it off. You would have just put it as something else and you would have moved on and there wouldn't have been that, uh, connection. But because it's not random because there are no random things and you know you were connected from way back when you were a kid that this was going to unfold down the line for you in your life as part of your path i find that very interesting yeah and it, it and i talk about it in the book near the near, uh later on in the book um this house was built on limestone bedrock and they actually in the seven about in the middle 70s they blew out the basement with dynamite. They blew out some of that limestone bedrock. Okay. And that was exactly the same time I was playing in the limestone caves, which are probably connected to Mm -hmm. this spot. This bedrock was probably connected to these caves in West Virginia at the time I was playing in them. So I, I, I drew an association to that also. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Well, you don't have to be, you don't have to be in the location to be connected to the location. You could be on the other side of the world. When you're connected energetically, you're connected energetically. It doesn't matter where you sit as far as physically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Correct. I agree thoroughly. I agree thoroughly. Okay. So, um, um, so, okay. So continue, continue with, okay. the. so I've got the, I've got the EVP readings and I got the EMF readings. And so now I'm getting pretty excited that, and something I'm really excited at the time. I'm not, it's not, not, not scary at all. It was just very exhilarating. Very, I knew something was trying to contact me, communicate with me somehow. I just didn't know what they were trying to tell me. And so I'd got the camera out of the, um, the, infrared video camera and I it was at night and I turned all the lights off and I, and I started panning up and down the steps. Mm-hmm. Now I panned down the, uh, every, I pan, every time I panned over to the seventh step mm-hmm. three times I did this, I would lose two frames right when it was going over the seventh <laughs> step, which mm-hmm. means that it, tur- it turned black. Mm-hmm. And I, and I yes. went back and I could look at each individual frames. I could tell I was losing two frames. Uh, the third time I passed it, uh, I, I didn't really realize this when I was videotaping it, uh, but a small, ec- uh, I can't I describe it as a, as a piece of ectoplasm mm-hmm. jumps off the, the seventh step. Mm-hmm. I had this on film, but it happens so quickly that it only appears in three frames of the, of the, of the, cam- of the film, mm-hmm. which means that it took one-tenth of a second to jump off the steps, but it actually more, it actually jumps off the seventh step and you can see it morph into a shape and, and disappear. Well, I want to know, cause what I want to know is I'm, as you're telling me the story and I'm picking up to the, the location where you're at, what happened on that seventh step? Cause something happened on that seventh step. Uh, well, after, after I did all the recordings and, and got this ectoplasm, I no longer got the EMF readings on the, on the step. Okay. So, which taught, which I didn't know what to think of that, except that that it was, it was still a communication event. I knew mm-hmm. it had to do with the number seven mm-hmm. and I was trying to get my attention, but now I st- I'm starting to film other things in the house. Okay. Uh, at the top of the steps I have, which at the time I thought were bugs flying around, okay. even though it was like early April, it shouldn't have been any bugs. Uh, but when I went back and looked at the film, I could tell it, they, it was, it was, the same type of ectoplasms going through the air, going through the walls. And I followed that upstairs. And when I got upstairs, uh, that's when I got the first orbs flying around. And these are better orbs than I see on TV anywhere. They, they, they're in tandem with each other. Um, they, they got trails on them. Um, like a meteor flying, to, you know, when you look at the individual films, you, each frame, you can see this. Yeah. I got these, I got all these pictures in the book, of course. Uh, but uh, it, it seemed to me at the time that they were trying to contact, uh, communicate with me, but, but they were manifesting themselves in what I thought I should be seeing. Does that make sense? Yes. 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 They were, they were, it was like they were working in my, in my, they were, they were reading my mind. And, mm-hmm. and since I started watching all these ghost shows, mm-hmm. I expected them to see, or, see orbs now. And that's exactly what they manifest themselves in. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that makes it, that makes perfect sense because spirits always show you in a way that you can relate to. You know, right? Exactly, and that and that's exactly the message I got. Mm-hmm. Um, and I continued to film things in the house, and it kind of brought me outside of the house onto the front porch. Okay, and what I and then I started filming out beyond the uh, uh, iron railings, yes. especially at night after a rain when the water was bubbling up. Yeah, as I say, the land had to be like everywhere. There had to be stuff happening everywhere on that land. Yeah, I've got shapes of every different shape you can imagine flying through the air. And you wow. wouldn't see them unless you uh, looked at each frame of the can- uh, film, you know. Right, yeah, exactly. Because they're traveling so quickly. But yeah. they're are uh, at that point, I've got, uh, well, that brings back to uh, the first time, uh, first snow I had up there. Mm-hmm. I noticed that the snowflakes looked tremendously huge. <laughs> so I, I uh, took some high resolution photographs of the snow coming down. Okay. And when I went back and looked at the, the film, it, I could tell that they were not snowflakes. They were little, they were, I got one that looks like a Pegasus, the horse Pegasus flying through the air. I got one that looks like it has wings on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they obviously were not snowflakes. Mm-hmm. It was like they, it was, it was like the spirits were, and the nature were one. It's like mm-hmm. they were, it was, they were using the energy of the porch and the, and the weather and the snow mm-hmm. to, make themselves visible. And it, it was like they were making themselves visible for me. Okay. I, I've heard some people explain it where the veil is thin. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they, 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 they were, so I've got, I've got pictures in the book of every different shape of, of things that I've never, I, you know, and you could probably make the argument that they're bu- some of the bugs or something. I don't know, mm-hmm. but they, this, they just don't look like bugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. They look, they look uh, every different shape that you can possibly imagine. Well, yeah, and, and and to go back to the like the stairs, and you're talking about how you're you know you're scraping it, and it's it's the perch. Just gotta think about it. The, those were trees on the land where Native Americans were. They were all part of the uh, the environment, you know. And then they became part of the home, and and just because it become part of the home didn't mean some of the energy of what transpired while they were trees is not still embedded in the wood. You know what I mean? Oh, a- a- absolutely, absolutely, and that and that exactly what it felt like. And I, t- I talk about that a lot in the book about how everything that passed through that land in its history is now the energy is embedded in that in that property. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the land, uh, you know, everybody that walked across that property, you know, the en- some of that energy is still embedded in there. And I think that's what I was seeing. I was seeing. Um, the remnants of the it, it wasn't like it was the I'm seeing remnants of energy I, I'm seeing actual I'm intelligent communication of that mm-hmm. using that energy right now have you had like have you had like friends or people that you know out there to that have experienced it as well or is it, you know uh, the porch railings still give off the uh, strong EMF readings and mm-hmm. I've had number number of people can feel that and see uh, mm-hmm. but but uh I not all the, all these things were, were on film that you really wouldn't see with your naked eye. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, friends and everything up there wouldn't have seen it, but they can feel the right. energy off well, the railings, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if you're doing like EVP sessions, you know, just to try to see if you got any voices. Yeah. Or... I, ne- I never did them with anybody else. I always oh, did okay. them alone. Okay. I always did them alone. And, um, cause I, I just felt for some reason, well, 
uh, I discovered it was directed at me. So gotcha. I did all that stuff, you know, on my own. Wow. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of stuff going on out there, man. <laughs> yeah. It gets even crazier. <laughs> so is there, um, if you had to give me, I don't, you know, you know, tell you the whole book cause then people won't buy the book, you know, but I mean, right. can you, uh, all right, let's not talk the house. Let's talk the land besides the, okay. you know, the, of course the Creek is, that's weird anyways, but you know, right. and the snowflakes and stuff. Have, have you seen any, um, uh, apparitions of Native Americans or the battle okay. that's going on or, you know, stuff like that. Well, I, I went down one night and filmed over the Creek, uh, right after a rain cause it was, you know, and I filmed it in total darkness and I got one, um, I don't know if you call it apparition, but it's a shape of, looks like to me an Indian yeah. with Indian okay. feathers on, uh, oh. and it's in, and it's in color. It's in, it's not, it's not, really? it wasn't. I used a full spectrum camera at that time. Okay. And, uh, I was getting, uh, full color this, you know, not, uh, not, I was getting blues and reds and oranges, but one, one shape of, it looked like an Indian head with, with, but overall there really weren't ever apparitions, mm-hmm. which told me that it wasn't, uh, well, I kind of go that in, the, in my book. I, I kind of figured all this stuff was not so much ghost and apparitions but were more elementals. Mm-hmm. And that end of end of the nature spectrum, mm-hmm. like you know, spirit nature relationship, yeah. trying to communicate with me. Well, yeah, but the, you, so you're saying that. So let's say that all the the people that the died here and all the all the stuff that happened in the Native Americans, they're you know, once once we leave our physical cells, you know, we're energy again. So then the energy just kind of, you're saying you're, you're, you're believing that the energy is connect, reconnecting with the earth and becoming, you know, cause elementals to me are, 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 are beings that necessarily aren't human. But, um, I always Correct. wonder, I always wonder too, though, could, but could souls of people or energy of people reconnect to the earth, especially, you know, native Americans, because that was basically their thing. You know I mean? It was very important to them. Um, a- absolutely. That's what, and, that, and that's know. what my conclusions came to it. Cause, mm-hmm. uh, you know, American, uh, native Americans, uh, believed in animism, which mm-hmm. they believed that everything had a spirit to it. Yes. Uh, inanimate objects like, sure. like trees and rocks. Yes. And they all oh, had, definitely. they all had their own spirits. Yes. And that's, so that's more the connection I'm getting out of the place is, is that these elementals or this connection to the spirit world mm-hmm. were connecting through to me through nature, the na- natural aspects of this land. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, how they were. Man- that's what, how they were, man- they were using the energy that was embedded here and mm-hmm. manifesting themselves to be visible to me. Okay. Yeah, I just figured with all that stuff that's going on and all the activity and the way it's all charged up, you know, there wouldn't be some residual haunt, you know, where it's just, you know, the playback of things that have happened historically or right, right. That, I didn't get them. I, the residual, uh, aspect of it to me was the energy left in, in, in the, that energy that was in the, in the, was what these, uh, spirits were using to manifest themselves with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why I filmed after the rain, after, after the water was bubbling up, because that was, yeah. that's when I got the most sightings. Right, because exactly. they were using the energy to, ma- to, to for me to be able to see them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to manifest themselves. Right. What I got, um, but it gets crazier. Uh, uh, it gets into an archeo- uh, a huge archaeological thing now. Okay, 
Can we talk? About <laughs> uh, all right. So now you get piqued my curiosity. Can we go? Talk, can we talk just a little bit about it? Give me a little bit of the archaeological part. Yeah, definitely. Sure, sure. Oh. And, and believe me, uh, this is not the the, the book uh, puts all this all this together. It connects everything. It explains who brought me to the property, why they brought me to the property, and what I was supposed to see on the property. So we cool. won't even get to that part. <laughs> no, no. Well, we to, you gotta keep some of the mystery so people re- go eat the book. So absolutely, absolutely. Um, so uh, they uh, after a snow one day, after a light snow. I knew that this, this property set in, in the gap of the mountains, that, all, that there was an Indian, Indian trail or Native American, American trail uh, somewhere around there. But I figured when they built the road in by the mill and stuff like that, they covered up all that. Mm-hmm. But I was uh, one, after, a snow, after a morning snow, I could see a contrast between the white snow and the dead brown leaves. I could see a trail going right across my property and then coming to an abrupt end uh, at the, where the road on the side of the mountain. Uh, and I could see very vividly that day that that's what, that the only piece of American native American trail left was right there in front of my front porch. So, so I went out there and looked to study, to study this trail. I walked it to the end of it where it was, it was cut off on the side of a mountain where they put the road in, but probably nobody stood there for 200 and some years, but I saw a strange rock there. Okay. that I thought was a trail marker or something used by the early pioneers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I took many, many photographs of the, of the rock. And after studying the rock, I realized it was no um, trail marker. It was ancient Indian petroglyphs uh, of unknown origin. Um, and... <laughs> This is why nobody believed my story, <laughs> but I photographed everything and I've got it all documented in the book now. Right. Uh, and I've just written a couple articles for Ancient Origins magazine, uh, ancientorigins.net, uh, which is an online magazine like National Geographic, but they go into alternative histories. Mm-hmm. And they made the claim that they think that I've discovered uh, one of the oldest civilizations in the world in the Appalachian Mountains. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> That's uh, uh, so it wasn't mind blowing enough. Now they, now they that and you're like, okay, what the hell's going on? You know, yeah. So nobody, no, obviously nobody's believing my story. So I document no. everything. And, and th- these that's... articles I've written for them, I documented with, with actual photographs of these petroglyphs and yeah. then those amazing, amazing petroglyphs you've ever seen. Wow. Uh, I... Very, a- very animistic, very, um, um, uh, anthropomorphic, mm-hmm. uh, unlo- and I've connected them to Machu Picchu actually, which yes. I've been to. Okay. Now I have a question from chat, uh, Bob, uh, he wanted to know, do you feel that the entities or elementals on the land are protecting you as well as the property? Yes. There you go, Bob. Yes. That is the- <laughs> yeah. uh, One uh, word. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, now, who, uh, what these elementals are, I do explain that in the book, uh, and it's heavily researched, and I, and I go into numerology and, and um, um, a lot, and basically the answers that I came to that answered all the questions that I had about this place uh, were basically in, in Cherokee folklore. Okay. About about animism and, and spiritualism and what they believed in, and that answered everything that I needed to know about this property. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because like when I like me, uh, myself being a psychic medium, I kind of base myself on Native American uh, beliefs. You know, that's kind of like how I how I feel connected to myself, you know, so that's why I find oh, okay. it's, yeah. it's very fascinating. So, and Bob said, by the way, well, that answered that. So there you go. <laughs> I like yeah. I, I think they, they brought, I think that, that these elementals uh, brought me to the property mm-hmm. and they, and they, they uh, manifested themselves in front of me and they, and they, and they showed me what I needed to know. And uh, I'm not, uh, I won't give up too much, too much no. more, but, no. uh, it it goes, you know, there's old Cherokee folklore, too, of even when you go into ancient aliens, it's also connected to that. <laughs> well, I've, yeah. got, I've got, I've got go one rock that I've got a uh, picture of that is, is definitely a gray alien looking right at a reptilian alien carved really? into the rocks, carved into <laughs> the rocks. And it's probably thousands of years old. You have to see my producer Cheryl's face right now. She's like totally was like boop. You said alien. She's like what? (laughs) No, but that's crazy. So you're saying it shows a gray alien looking at a reptilian alien? Yes, without a doubt. And it's the most amazing. uh, And I saw it immediately when I saw it. It's funny. I've written a couple articles for Ancient uh, Origins also about. Uh, pareidolia and how how things look you know the right yeah. brain and the left yeah. brain and how exactly. left so left brain saying, doesn't oh, see yeah. anything yeah, yeah exactly yeah definitely yeah because if you you know your your mind is made to make sense out of anything so you know if you That's see right. something it, it has to try to formulate okay how can i make sense out of this you know and then when it looks at it because you know we know that as investigators you know you have to be very careful because you know, especially if you want if, if the want is there and you're already believing in the situation you're you're already preset to kind of screw things up sometimes going yeah look at it, it looks like that and like, no, no, no. we need to back up a little think logically and look at this thing from all the different angles you know what i mean so right and i've had the state archaeologists out there and of course they they only know what they've been taught yes. so he could not handle these petroglyphs at all because that changed everything that he's ever been taught Oh, no, Bob has another question. He says, if you are a believer of reincarnation, do you think the entities know you were one of your ancestors and they wanted you back to complement the energy of the area? I think that would, wouldn't that be a, a, the same? That, yep. That's absolutely true. And, uh, my theory is, uh, I won't go into too much, but, uh, but if you think about my ancestors who lived on that land, they died. If they, if you believe in a heaven or a place that they go, uh-huh. They obviously are with the Indian spirits that, mm-hmm. so they're all together now. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, yeah, they drew so, you back. I mean, we talked about that. We definitely agreed that they drew you back there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think they there. conspired together yeah. to bring me yep. to that property. So let's just bring them back. And we're going to have this whole bunch of stuff <laughs> at the same time. Well, aliens, some Native Americans, some elementals, some paranormal activity. I mean, you know. It's got, it's got everything you'd ever want in this story. And it's all, all was- absolutely 100% true. Well, you have, do you have any Bigfoots running around on the property? By chance? <laughs> I haven't seen any of those yet, but I have, <laughs> I, I have seen uh, beams of light shine oh, up into the, uh, shine up into the sky on the side of the mountain. Okay. That, that one would think immediately that it might be a, a campfire or something, but it wasn't. It was a beam of light coming, at, and I went the next day and photographed the rock formation that it was at, and it, it was all in red. It was so, – I don't have that in the book. <laughs> yeah. So you have you have all this you know you have your book out and um I'm are you I'm assuming you're still living there now yes 
Uh, yes, I don't. I don't. I don't live there, but I go there as much as I can. Okay, go as much as you can. So, um, so I'm just kind of curious now that you've got this out and you're you, you've dealt with a, a lot of the stuff that's happening. Where, where where do you go from here? I mean, what are you doing now? What, what's well, what's the, well the, uh, the 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 hard part now is is promoting the book. Um, part, I, Dave, I, I've got Dave, it. I, Dave, the hard part now is topping that story. But go ahead, continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's it. Nobody believes me. And they still don't believe me. <laughs> they'll, they'll look at my book and, and it's, it's absolutely documented. It's got 300 photographs in it. It's documented to a T and it, to me, it documents the existence of an afterlife. Yes. It's, it's, it's awesome. I think it's great. But, but, no, but, but I had to self publish it. So nobody buys the book cause they don't know it exists. <laughs> and so the hard, the hard part now is telling the story, getting the story yeah. out there and getting people to, uh, to buy the book and, 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 and realize that this is unbelievable. And I'm actually working on a screenplay right now. Really? Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. And, but it's kind of it's kind of neat because now the screenplay is based on a true story, but I can add villains and and, <laughs> and, st- yeah. and stuff like that that really didn't exist, but it yeah, makes the story. Yeah, you put the Bigfoot in there too. Exactly. Yeah, I got black. I, I got Cherokee <laughs> medicine men, and I've got uh, black ops. And <laughs> yeah, really. Black fans pulling up, driven by Bigfoot. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, unidentified yeah. helicopters flying by. You know, that's yeah, I got it all now. Well, uh, but well, that's going to be the movie. But the book is all true, one hundred percent true. Well, we're 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 to the part of the show now where we kind of let you go ahead and promote. Like, we're for instance, I don't know, Dave, where they could get the book, maybe, <laughs> and where they could find out about you. So why don't we uh, go ahead and just spill away whatever you want to spill right now? Okay, I got a great website out there. It's called VirginiaRockArt.com. All one word: Virginia Rock Art. Um. And I've got a lot of the petroglyphs on, on, on there. I've got a lot of the, uh, the paranormal video, uh, which is incredible. And I've got all, all the book reviews. And, and it, the book has won six international book awards so far. Yeah, for you. But it doesn't sell. It doesn't make the book sell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, but it's got great reviews, and that's great. And so virginiarockart.com is a, is a great website. It's very interesting, very complex. It's got a lot of stuff on there. Okay. Uh, but, it, but it doesn't give away the story. <laughs> but you think it does because it has so much good stuff on there. You think that's the story, but that's just a, that's just a backup to, the, to the, what the real story is. The real story is who brought me there, why they brought me there, yes. and what I was supposed to find. Well, I'm going to get the book because I want to find that out. But go ahead. <laughs> Uh, the book is a, is a, is a, is 318 pages long. It's a quick read, but very complex. It took me three years of heavily, it's heavily researched. It took me three years to write it, but it flows really quickly, has surprise endings, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, a, it's a one of those books you put, you can't put down once you start reading it, nice. according to the reviews. <laughs> okay. And it's available on Amazon, uh, print and Kindle. Okay. Um, and it's also available to create space, that sort of thing, but mainly Amazon.com. And I would recommend the, the uh, paperback because uh, it's just so much better having a physical object in your hand oh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. you flip pages with. You know, and it's got all black and white photographs. It's really incredible. Now, the, the photographs on the website are all in color and that sort of thing. Okay. 
So yeah, well, yeah. Bob said he's gonna buy one. So there's two sold because Bob's buying one. And I'm buying one. So we got two more. Uh, you know, if I if I buy one now, is there a way? To, like, I want to send it to you so you can sign it for me. Is there a way to do uh, that? Actually, you, uh, I I've got on my website, which <gasps> in the Rock Art, there's a spot yeah. you can buy through. You can buy the book signed by me through PayPal, okay. and right, I'll send it directly to you from me. All right, then I'm gonna do that. That's definitely what I'm gonna do. Um, well, I, I mean, it's I could just talk to you forever but unfortunately we don't have forever on the show so um i do want to i do want to i do want to thank you again for like you know coming on and uh, sharing your story because i I just find it simply amazing (laughs) fantastic i'm I'm so glad you asked me to do it because this this is the only way i can get the story out and i love telling the story i tell it constantly all week long because i have to drive for uber because oh. uh, until the book goes viral, <laughs> and so, so so I actually sell I actually sell the books out of my car. You're doing Uber, yeah, and you're telling them, you know, dude, I can take you where you gotta go, but I gotta tell you about these aliens and these elementals. Oh uh, yeah, and, and, and yeah, it, it blows their minds, and everybody's interested. So I tell ten or fifteen times a week, I tell the story. You know, there you it's go. great. There you go. She had like a little video that plays in the back of the car, you know, like, okay, <laughs> while you're driving, boop, it is a hi, I'm Dave. Yeah, basically, I have, a, I have a business card taped to my back of my seat, and I have a <laughs> copy of the book in the back pouch. Yeah, that's what I call it. Entrepreneurism <laughs> right there, baby. All yeah, right, it's well, like, I'm a, like a musician, musician <laughs> selling CDs out of the back of his trunk. Awesome. Well, Dave, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I wish you the best, and uh, maybe we'll again talk again sometime. Oh, I'd love to. All right. Well, you have a good night. My pleasure. Thanks a bunch. Thanks. Bye-bye. 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 Well, there you go, Cheryl. That was David Miller. Yeah, he's got an amazing story, doesn't he? <laughs> it's like, how can, the, how can that book not sell, for crying out loud? It's everything <sighs> every, ever like us would want to read in one book. It, seriously. Yeah. I'm, yeah going to the, I'm going to the site so you get the signed one, though. That, Definitely. That, yeah. I want to read it too. I've only read an excerpt of it so far. Um, I want to know, so, know how, how it got brought to it. And then I want to know how, like, cause there's like, some, it's supposed to be some, some surprise, like <gasps> ending to it. So I need to, I need to, I need you to know find that, that out. Yeah. Cause I got all the middle parts. That's all yeah. I got now. Yep. There you go. All right. So I guess um, we're going to, we're going to take a break yep. and then we're going to come back and do the um, correspondence with Mr. Jack Kenna. So um, you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio on MixLR. I am Chucky G. We shall be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. Hey, are you looking for a new Paranormal Podcast? Check out All Day Paranormal with me, Crystal Vermis. And me, Manny Vega. We come to you every week with the latest in supernatural news and entertainment. That's right, and you can find out more by going to GetSpooked.net. And don't forget to check out our YouTube show by going to GetSpooked.net slash YouTube. 
The Crusaders are commonly thought to have been motivated by the deep Christian faith. Crusades were actually war-inspired by the average of medieval ecclesial leaders who were only searching for total power and control. Well-played mind games which spoke about demonic forces, witchcraft and deadly possessions, many Europeans gave into their fears and banned the truth of an ancient and earthly civilization from their daily lives. It became an unknown world, not seen by the naked eye but capable of possessing your soul and in the worst case even kills you. In order to keep the people away from the truth, it had to be feared forever. Restoring the voice of our people, we give back what once was stolen from you. Your freedom and thinking, creating and believing. The Source of Immortality, written by Maria Anna van Driel, www.amazon.com Nicole Strickland here, founder and co-director of the San Diego Paranormal Research Society, also known as SDPRS. Our team is based in San Diego, California, and covers cases within San Diego County, Southern California, and even out of state. We specialize in private residences, businesses, and historical locations, and are the monthly tour hosts of the Spirits of the Adobe Tours at the legendary Rancho Buena Vista Adobe in Vista, California. We offer a variety of classes and courses for those who are interested in learning more about paranormal research and what it entails to become a paranormal investigator. For more information about us, please visit our website at sandiegoparanormalresearch.com. So, you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. If you're listening to us, this is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on MixLR. We had the wonderful John David Miller, author of The Cybold Effect Beyond Science, History, Ghosts, and the Afterlife and the Supernatural. You need to go and get his book right away. Um, it was at virginiarockart.com. You can get signed copies or you can go to Amazon, but it's I have to... I'm sorry, I have to read it because I need to know the secrets. I need to know everything at the beginning and everything at the end because I got everything in the between. So, anyways, now we're going to go to a correspondence. Um, Jack Kenna, investigator from Spirits of New England, interviews Stacy Horton, founder and director of the Extreme Paranormal Encounter Response Team, as they talk about the haunted Mount Ida Church in Troy, New York. So this is part one. So whenever you're ready, Cheryl, roll it. So this is Jack Kenna, paranormal investigator and technical specialist with Spirits of New England, also a correspondent for Paranormal Underground magazine. And I'm here at the Mount Ida Church with my friend Stacy Horton, who is from the Extreme Paranormal Encounter Response Team, located out of Albany, New York. A um, little bit about. Uh, Mount Ida Preservation Hall. It was a functioning church. It was the Church of the Ascension. Um, And it was built in the late 1800s. It was built directly over a flowing water uh, waterway that dumps into the 
post in Kilgorge. Mm-hmm. Um, the church was functioning up until 2004, right. which is when the church shut it down. Um, so from 2004 to now, it's been vacant, with the exception of uh, Brant Caird, who right. um, he is the one that runs the church now as uh, the Mount Ida Preservation Hall, which they are. Their goal is to uh, house the records of the old Mount Ida Cemetery, which is located down the street. Right, right. And, and actually, just you mentioned that we're going to actually be investigating there tonight too, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. So, but uh, now, this is kind of one of the first, I've investigated with you. I went to another one of your events. This is an event you're putting on to help raise money for, for the Mount Ida uh, Church here and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or the Preservation Society, I should say. And now you've been here several times. You've done a few events with the, the place here, the church and stuff, the Preservation Society. Now, but you told me about an experience you had. Mm-hmm. Um something you kind of ran into in, in this place that you hadn't before. And how long ago was that? When did that happen? And tell me what exactly, actually, or tell us, our audience, what happened to you there. That happened in 2013. Um, it was actually the first time that we invested the Mount Ida Preservation Hall. Um, we were actually doing, I was giving a little tour of the facility, and I was walking with a group of three people, two or three people, from my team and just kind of walking them around explaining where everything was and when I opened up the door to the sanctuary I screamed which is something that I normally don't do (laughs) yeah yeah right (laughs) so but you saw something I did shocked you yeah when I opened the door to the left I saw a woman standing in between the pews and she was wearing a hospital gown with a hospital bracelet Mm -hmm. she had long scraggly like bleach blonde hair, bare feet, and very, very thin. Right. Uh, her eyes were sort of kind of blacked out, and she just kind of stood there and like swayed back and forth and just stared at me through her hair, right. which right. was really kind of unnerving, and she was gone as quick as I saw her. Right. And I saw a vacuum cleaner that was standing upright in the general vicinity of where I saw her, so I figured my brain just matrixed something completely <laughs> bogus. Right. So I blew it off, and we went throughout the day and mm-hmm. set up all of our equipment, and we did some EVP sessions, and the last EVP session that we were going to do was in the sanctuary, and half of our team had joined us um, from a different location. They did a reveal, which didn't go so very well. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, so, sometimes they don't, you know. No, and uh, half of us were already at the church doing our EVP session. So mm-hmm. I was actually sitting in the center of the sanctuary. And I had two investigators sitting in the pews in front of me, and I had a couple off to my sides. And when, you could, when they came in, the rest of our team, right. you could feel the change in the air. Okay. You could cut it with a knife. Mm-hmm the negativity that they brought in Mm. from that reveal. And um, as soon as that happened, it's like all hell broke loose. (laughs) Okay. Um, Now, what do you mean by that all hell breaks loose? So what happened after that? It completely changed how our EVP session went. And I, my whole mood changed. And at that point, I started to trans-channel whatever this person was. Right. um, Not really knowingly. And 
I could kind of tell after a fact because I started to giggle a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I, I said, we need to stop. I'm done with this. Right. And we stopped our EVP session. Okay. And I left. I went outside. Yeah. And I could feel her, this this person that I had seen earlier this, in the yeah, day. Yeah, this individual or whatever it was right. you saw. Yeah. I could feel her still with me. Mm -hmm. And when I went out to the back of the church, they've got a, a fence there. Okay. And it overlooks the post in Kill Gorge. Yes, yes, yeah. Beautiful was, yeah. gorge, by the way, yeah. Well, I kind of went there to kind of decompress and let things go. And when I did, I could hear her in my background going, go ahead, jump. It's okay. You'll be okay. Mm. It'll be fine. Oh, okay. And I said, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to jump This is not how this is going to go. <clears throat> and I, I booked it up up the hill there and as soon as I hit the pavement for the sidewalk yeah. she was gone okay well that's good at least you get whatever you get that energy away from you and you get it away from you Temporary. but that's interesting yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah that was interesting that, that you had that kind of experience and stuff mm -hmm. so you know it's my first time going to be doing this here with you and maybe we'll come back in a little bit and uh, after maybe what you know our investigation or whatever tonight and stuff and uh, um We'll see what happened. We'll see what we, we find out what happened later on. Definitely. Um, we'll talk more about that. But, yeah, it, it's a good event. You do a lot of different events locally, and, mm -hmm. and uh, that's pretty cool. I, you know, you do a lot, try to do things for the community. It's always a plus. We that's, try. That's what teams, <laughs> yeah, good teams, uh, yeah, good teams try to do that. I mean, you know, well, there's a lot of good teams out there, but it's always try to, nice to try to help give back to your community. So yeah. you can uh, maybe get in touch with Stacy. Uh, through her website, and I'll let you give all that. So go ahead, plug yourself. Well, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Stacy Horton, I'm the founder of the Extreme Paranormal Encounter Response Team, um, and my co-founder, Steve Coles. Um, you can reach us through our website at www.extremeparanormalteam.com. Um, we do have form entries there. If you're having any issues or questions, you can feel free to send in a form, and we're usually pretty good about getting back to you fairly quickly. So... <laughs> <laughs> We try. I know you are. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, definitely uh, come check out any of the events that we have going on. Um, we've worked with the Mount Ida Preservation Hall for a couple of years. Um, so definitely come and check everything out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Stacy. Thanks for having me out at the event. And thank great you. event and great investigation. So. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. Well, uh, we'll be back in maybe a little bit. We're going to be doing the event, and then we'll be doing the investigation later tonight, and we'll see what happens. Sounds good. Okay, well, there you go. That was our correspondent, Jack Kenna. You're going to hear part two, right, next week, Cheryl? Is that correct? Okay. Yeah, we'll have part two next week. And part two, we'll talk about the investigation, which they did um, that night after that interview that Jack did. So yeah. so it, I, I had a good time today. It was a really cool show. I mean, our guest was really, like, a very interesting dude. It's so interesting. Yes, he was. And Bob already bought his book. Way to go, Bob. You beat me. Now I have to get out there and buy it now. Dang it. <laughs> But anyways, um, so who who do we have uh, next week for the, um, well, it would be the last live show. Next week, February 9th, we will be talking to Artie Clark. She's the author of the new book, More Encounters with Star People. Nice. So we're going to end it with aliens. Yes. My favorite topic. Nice. So how's the magazine going? Do we have anything you want to talk about the magazine or yeah. cool stuff? Uh, yeah, on? we're working on the February issue right now. It should be out in about a week. You can go to paranormalunderground.net to check it out. 
we um, sell PDFs individually or we also do a 12-month digital copy where we'll email you each new magazine every single month right to your inbox. I think that's what they should do because Me it's too. such a good you know, because it's such <laughs> a good magazine and and every art every every article well every article but every issue has so much different diverse diversified things that are inside of it that just you, you know you have to get each one because you could miss something. I agree. And, and you can't miss something <laughs> so you just have to buy it all. Just get buy. I say buy like 5 years in advance. You know, just sign up for the sure. five-year subscription. There you go. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I like I like that idea. I mean, I buy mine. I, I well, I haven't I haven't I've been doing some of the digitals, but I usually buy mine. You know, like the real copies, the, the ones you can smell and hold in your hand. Yes, I I understand, and we do offer those, but those are through a third party called MagCloud.com. Yes. They are beautiful print issues that can be mailed to your doorstep. Um, they are a little pricey because yes, they are not cheap. That is what MagCloud charges. That's not what we charge. Um, yep. So, you know, you can get a beautiful print issue. It's it's just gonna cost you a little bit more. But go to yeah. Mag, MagCloud.com, search for Paranormal mm-hmm. Underground, and you can get all of our issues up to date. Yeah, I think digital is still better better for most people because yeah, I mean that's what most people read nowadays. I'm just an old fart, so you know I do the. <laughs> You know, most people are like tablet or the Kindle yeah. or whatever, you know, and they, you know, they read it that way. But and, you know, I, and I just have to tell Bob in the chat room that yes, his part two of his Ghost Hunter Case Files article will be in the February issue. Whoa. Yeah. Mr. Bob. Hey Bob, I heard you're getting healthy, by the way. That's really good. No more pictures sending don't send any more pictures with tubes, okay, Bob? <laughs> you can't do that to me anymore. I was like, oh, He's I felt just, so Bob sad. is just sharing. I know, and I love them, but I don't want to. That made me sad. I was like, no. So I'm just glad it's all better now. So, yeah, that's good. Um, so I guess um, we don't have any. Well, we don't have the lightning round. We don't have any. I don't have any. Whoosh, I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing left. Well, we've almost taken it to the top of the hour. We're close. We're close. All right. Well, we're just gonna keep chatting. Do you want to keep chatting, or we're we just gonna stop now? We're just no. gonna end. We're good what? to go. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, I don't want to chat with you. <laughs> Whatever. That's because on that's because on breaks we had so much time and you don't know what to talk about anymore. That's fine. I, we've we've chatted it all out tonight, Chuck. <laughs> you know. I love you too, Cheryl. I know, I know. Plus, all I gotta right. go watch Colony, my new oh, favorite oh, show. Oh, now the truth comes okay, out. Okay, the Bam! truth comes there out. You go. Right, Colony, you go. It's, okay. it's been, been right. DVR'd this very minute. Okay. Well, then I'm going to let you go ahead and wrap it up with the times and stuff because you're better to saying that than I do. So go ahead and right, uh, wrap it up. All right. Join us next week, February 9th, and we will be airing at 6 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Central, and 9 p.m. Eastern. Oh, you said Central. Thanks so much. <laughs> you're it's welcome. It's so nice of you. Bam! We're going out the bang, folks. Woo. All right. Well, uh, good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. And I guess we'll, we'll, well, you'll hear us. You won't see us. You'll hear us next week. Yes. Good night. See you then. Bye-bye. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something 